the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hi, friends. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining me tonight. Hey, I just realized, um, no, I didn't just realize that it's Thanksgiving. I've known that all weekend. Uh, so happy Thanksgiving to all of you who are enjoying with, uh, hopefully with uh, family, maybe, or, or friends, or you've done something just to remind you to be thankful. Um, Elliot and I, of course, as we've mentioned before, we work long weekends. And therefore, we would like it if you would interact with us so that we feel like we are not alone on Thanksgiving. You can text in 71010. Hey, let's be a little schmoopy. Tell me what you feel thankful for, either this weekend, this time of year, this year, what you're kind of grateful for. It's kind of nice on uh, social media. I was flipping through Facebook and Twitter, just scrolling through, and people are taking time to... You know, uh, be appreciative. Someone posted something that I thought made a lot of sense, which is that we're usually complaining and whining about what we don't have or what's not great in our lives, what's not great in our city, what's not great about our jobs. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a good day, maybe a good weekend to go, you know, let's let's do the opposite of all of that. Let's, you know, there are a lot of things that aren't perfect about our lives, but let's focus on the things that... um, other people might be envious of. It could be that you just even have a job, um, that you like your coworker. You know, there's a lot of things that if we just kind of change the way we think, we could probably be a lot more happy, positive. Elliot, your thoughts? Yes, Pei, I agree. I am thankful that I am immune to some of the world's most deadly viruses. <laughs> Do you know that you're immune to them? Well, we have vaccines here in Canada, so yes. <laughs> okay. I'm like, uh, have you been tested for Ebola? Uh, See, Ebola they're working on. Okay, that one. Yes, you're right. Uh, I think also, too, that we are at low risk for many of the... How about that? That's true. We live in a part of the world that is not especially prone to some of the world's most deadly viruses. You know what, Elliot? That should be everyone's Thanksgiving um, message. When they say grace, like if anyone's doing their dinner tomorrow night, it should be like, we are thankful for our family and that we don't have deadly viruses. That we are not surrounded at the moment by deadly viruses. Yes, at the moment. Very, um, very deep. You're welcome. So you can text in 71010. Uh, let me know how you spent your Thanksgiving weekend. If It's kind of funny because people, a lot of people who have family nearby tend to kind of do the whole, all right, I'm going to my mom's or I'm going to my in-laws because it takes a little bit of effort and I totally understand that. And what I started doing a couple of years ago is um, because I my family's not here, I've never, I don't really I don't really don't do Thanksgiving, I guess. Uh, for a couple of years out of university when we were all sort of single and just starting new jobs, we would have Orphans Thanksgiving where a group of friends would get together. And I remember one year, it was a group of almost 20 of us who were all like out of province students who stayed here to work. And so we didn't have family. And at that point, we didn't have spouses and we didn't have in-laws and all of that. And we would get together. And it was really quite nice. Um, but I... I started lying to people about Thanksgiving and about other holidays sometimes, like Christmas I've spent in town before by myself. But what happens is when you tell people that, and they are so kind and generous, they always feel bad, and they go, no, 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 you should come over to my my in-laws with us and have Thanksgiving dinner. And I absolutely have no desire to go to to your family dinner and do small talk and feel on and have to entertain a little, you know, because you have to do the, how do you know so-and-so? Oh, this is not, tell me about your knee. It, it looks like it hurts. Um, 
But I do want your Thanksgiving dinner leftovers. So I don't want to go see your family, but I just want the food that's left over. Um, a friend of mine, actually, it was really nice. She had Friendsgiving for us last night. So I actually did get to have a little bit of turkey, which I wasn't counting on. So my uh, good friend Elaine, for I don't know what the reason is, but her family isn't doing Thanksgiving dinner for another week. But she decided she didn't want to wait a week for turkey and stuffing. So she made a full Thanksgiving dinner for four people, which is a lot of effort. Turkey, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, stuffing, um, veggies, the whole thing just for four people. That's a good friend. Yes, I'd say so. And I have leftovers. But here's the thing, Pay, and I don't want to burn up the phone lines here, but I'm going to say something right now. Yes. I think turkey kind of sucks. <gasps> you and my dad. My dad hates turkey. He thinks it's dry and it's disgusting, which is also why we never had turkey growing up. <laughs> even, even brined. I don't know. I prefer duck. Duck is my favorite oh. of the birds. Well, duck is like rich and like yeah. very um, fatty. Yeah. <laughs> turkey well, is just so, I know, I get what you're saying, but don't you think turkey drowned in gravy is delicious? Yeah, you see, uh, that's the thing. you got to apply the very juices that you cooked out of it. But Although it can be done well, but I just find that, yeah, I don't, I sometimes I don't even miss it, you know? You don't miss it? You're not sad about it. I want a seared duck breast. With um, orange uh, sauce. You're very French. Yeah, no, I think they do it real well in France. You're gonna. It's like a French Thanksgiving. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't know if they have uh, Thanksgiving. Not in France. really. <laughs> I think this is our day, Canadians. Yeah. It's our day, North America. But you could do your own version. You could. You could have done the um, turducken, which is the chicken stuffed inside a duck, stuffed inside a turkey. You know, I'm gonna burn up the phone lines again because I think turducken is like an abomination. I think it's really. Well, gross. I've never had it, but I think it would. By the sounds of it, chicken, duck, and turkey, I think it sounds delicious. But where is the crispiness happening? The crispiness happens on the outside of the turkey. But I think the—I I just don't have any confidence that all three of those meats will turn out well together, stuffed inside each other. I just—I know mm. it's a novelty thing. I would, right. I'd be happy with them—I'm not—see, I'm ruining—it's like I'm telling everyone there's a Santa Claus all over again. But Which in, is not true. There is one for people who have children listening. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I didn't even and think of that. And there's a tooth fairy. Sure, yeah. Exa- all these myths are, uh, oh, sorry, real. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, it's all you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also, okay, because I never get, I often say that I don't get out of the city very often because I don't have a car and I don't have family here to go out of the city to visit. But uh, we did a little road trip with uh, my friend and her husband yesterday. We went up to Green Bank. I say it with a bit of a question mark, uh-huh. but I believe that's an area. And we went to Forsyth Farms because there's like a little corn maze there. And then they have a pumpkin patch. They have some little farm animals you can feed and play with. And they have pumpkin pie. So it just felt like, for me, because I don't often get a very Thanksgiving festive type of experience, I, I felt like I did I did the real thing. I did the whole thing in one weekend. I had pumpkin pie. I had turkey. And I ran through a corn maze. I'm good for five years. Yeah. Because that's about how frequently I would do something like that. I'm not against pumpkin pie. I, I love should, pumpkin it's, pie. It's really great. It's, it makes the whole season worthwhile. Yeah. When it's done right, it's it's great. Um, I want to tell you this quick little story. So I mentioned that I'm moving shortly into a very tiny condo. And uh, the building is done. There's people in there. No, it's not done. It's up. But the inside, it's a disaster. Anyway, I went in there to drop something off the other day. And there was a uh, middle-aged man. And I said, oh, are you the superintendent? And uh, he said he was, and I asked him his name. He said his name is Charles. And, uh, and I said, oh, nice to meet you. I'm Pei. And Charles said, nice to meet you, I'm Pei. Yeah. 
So that's what, and I'm like, no, no, that, no, that's not it. That's not it. It's not, and he thinks my name is I'm Pei. So anyway, I'm just going to, it's just another one of those stories of people um, confusing my name a little bit. But this one, he was adorable. So I will actually answer to him if he calls me I'm Pei the next time I'm in the building. Um, I want to let you know what's coming up on the show. I really love the idea of... um, sustainable seafood and I know that I try to get guests on the show who talk about uh, sustainable eating in general different whether it's your meat and your veggies and just trying to choose your foods and and be a little healthier eat a bit better doing something that's perhaps a little bit better for our environment for generations to come so earlier this week I had the opportunity to attend this really great seafood dinner put on by Ocean Y it was at Pangea uh, which is a restaurant on Bay Street just north of Vloor so you may be familiar with it it's been around for a while and I was really shocked to hear this so uh, 90% of all large predatory fish 90% are gone from the world's oceans gone because we humans um, we love to consume seafood. We often overfish and uh, we the demand is so high that we kind of ruin ruin what we have. So I'm going to talk to Chef Martin Coopery from Pangea Restaurant. We're going to talk and clarify some things. It's not just it's not black and white. It's not that all farmed fish is bad and that all wild caught fish is good. That's not that's not the situation. So we'll talk a bit more about the seafood that might be better for you to avoid, but also talk about the amazing options that are out there for you to be eating instead, which are better for our oceans, which are better for um, the planet in general, and uh, and then just sort of expose you to other options. I think the reason why we buy a lot of the same things is because it's easy and we know what to do with it. But we'll talk about some of the other things that you could be experimenting with, that you could be trying, you could be bringing into your home and making dinner with. Coming up on the second half of the show... I'm wondering if you remember a wonderful, really charming little store on the edge of Yorkville. It was called the Cookbook Store, and it was there for many years. A great little store, which just closed down not too long ago. Just Rest a, in peace. A year or two ago. Um, Allison Fryer used to be with us with the Cookbook Store, and she's now teaching at George Brown College. And she's putting together this wonderful series of events that brings together great chefs, food celebrities, authors, um, and she's bringing them to some like lecture series and interactive events at George Brown College. But they're actually open to the public. So that's the that's the most amazing thing is that you have the opportunity to go and listen to your favorite author speak, have them sign your book, uh, to have a photo taken with them. And she's been bringing in some really great names. So she's going to join the show at uh, 830 and we'll tell you how you can get down there and take part and uh, and listen to some of your favorite chefs and cookbook authors as well. So stick around after the break. Is the fish you're eating ruining our oceans? Well, even if it is, I'll give you some options that are a little bit better, and uh, we'll find out, I guess, some new ideas on seafood that you could be purchasing, because Chef Martin Coopery is going to join me. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Let me know how you're spending your Thanksgiving weekend. You can send me a text at 71010. This is also so Elliot and I feel like we have company on Thanksgiving weekend. Show on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for spending part of your Thanksgiving weekend with us. Um, 
If you are in a little bit of a turkey coma right now, send me a text, 71010. Let me know how you've been spending your Thanksgiving weekend, whether it's uh, with family, friends, or maybe you just wanted to hang out at home and watch Netflix for a little while. Um, I I don't judge. Uh, A listener texted in and said that uh, they're a community visiting nurse working this weekend and working right now. So uh, thanks for letting me be a part of your weekend. And she says that every house she's been to today, the families are force feeding her. Can you imagine this being like multiple dinners and the same will happy, uh, happen tomorrow. So have a great Thanksgiving. Um, so I've got Martin Coupri on the line. He's the chef and also calls himself the bottle washer at Pangea Restaurant. Hey, Martin. How are you doing, Tay? I'm doing well now. Uh, well, I guess because as the chef, you don't just get to do all the glamorous things like make the beautiful food. No, you wear many hats in a restaurant. You know, if there's a leak, you got to try and fix it before you uh, fork out the money for a truck charge and a plumber. You know, if it's something simple, you got to go in there yourself and fix it first. That's what YouTube's for. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned I've learned many things incorrectly by going online and trying to fix it myself. Um, so we're here to talk about OceanWise. There was that lovely little dinner that um, they put on at your restaurant a couple of days ago, and. You know, we were speaking briefly then, and I was saying, you know, I love the I love OceanWise in that you can identify um, a, a sustainable dish or meal at a restaurant because the logo was there, and it, and I know what it is, but it can be really confusing for some people. They don't necessarily know what it means, and there are a lot of assumptions about what sustainable seafood is. So I guess we should start first with what OceanWise is. Yeah, well. OceanWise was started by the Vancouver Aquarium as a uh, program to uh, to uh, establish a con- ocean o- ocean conservation program. So it, it helps chefs in restaurants like Pangea um, actually know what they're serving and, and make sure that there's accountability and traceability in the product. So we've got little symbols on the side of our menu. If the fish has been certified OceanWise, then um, there's a traceability factor and there's paperwork that documents where the fish comes from in the first place. And uh, the chefs can serve it guilt-free knowing that they're not helping to plunder the oceans dry. And I know that um, OceanWise works with, um, they work with hundreds of chefs and restaurants um, throughout the country. So even though it started with the Vancouver Aquarium, it's very much a program that spans uh, across Canada. And it can be, um, I think a lot of people think, well, if you're talking to me about sustainable seafood, you must be talking to me about something that's more expensive. That's not always the case. It's not so much the case anymore because uh, there's there's uh, more fishmongers that are in the program now. You know, we started with 16 partners and now we're over 600 in, across Canada. That includes chefs and fishmongers. And uh, there's more and more uh, people that are in the uh, program itself in the harvesting process, whether it's on the oceans or in the, the rivers or in the lakes. And uh, so because of the demand, and now that they're fulfilling that demand as best they can, the prices have really gone down. But the best thing about an ocean-wise product, you know, you at first you were paying a little bit more, now you, you may be, be paying a little bit less than you were before. But it, it's, it's this whole custody thing, this chain of custody means that fish is being handled better, and it gets to the destination more directly. So you've got better shelf life. And you've got uh, less waste because you can use the entire fish and you don't have to worry about bruising and things like that. And I read some interesting stats. Like I was, I'm not, I guess I'm not that surprised by this, um, that in 1960, we were eating on average 22 pounds of seafood. In 2012, that almost doubled to 42 pounds. So um, that's 
we we love what comes from the ocean. That's quite obvious. Yeah, and there's more people eating uh, from the ocean now than ever before, so <clears throat> it makes it a little bit more challenging. And that's why these conservation programs are so important. You know, we have to make sure that what we take from the ocean, we take very carefully, and and, and make sure that there's a balance point between the natural replenishment of the fish and from what we can take and enjoy ourselves. So um, the Vancouver Aquarium, it, it deals with a lot of scientific data. It monitors the uh, the levels of the fish, and it, it has many other agencies that it collaborates with. And, and because of this, it, it, it has a pretty good picture of what is sustainable and what isn't. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the licensing program, you know, what fish you can buy at what time of the year. So it's a seasonality of the fish. So they're very careful to make sure that, you know, they're, that there is a uh, there's a period when you can't fish these fish because they're they're going to be multiplying, they're going to be breeding, and they're very oh okay very interesting susceptible to uh, um, you know over overcatch right. Um, and I guess for some people though, it's like all right, there's a lot of things we're supposed to be worried about. Um, you know, the oceans are one, the uh, droughts are another, the forests are another. There's so many things that we're you know supposed to pay attention to that at the end of the day, it's like you know what, I just want dinner. Why should I care? Well, you have to care because, you know, it, it's, it's one of these things that I, I tell, give me an example. As a chef, you know, when I first started cooking, I, I was all about focusing on technique and making sure that that was the thing that pushed me the furthest. And then once you start getting technique down, we start, we start wondering about, well, what's the story behind the ingredient? And, you know, as chefs, we drill into that. And as consumers, I think it's important, too, to know where your food comes from because there's a lot of food out there that you shouldn't be eating, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's whether it's going to be bad for you or uh, whether it, it's it's uh, endangered. So, you know, you're not going to eat panda bear, you know, because there's not enough to go around probably. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> and they're cute and cuddly. So, you know, I think it's really important for consumers to get on board with this, too. And, and, and they do. Once you educate the consumer and you, you tell them about the program, they are just, they buy in 100% into the program and they want to know more. So it's just a question of getting the word out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, as soon as they, they hear about it, they, they start investigating all, all themselves. The consumers are very smart on their own. Now, what seafood should we not be eating? Often we hear there's news stories, there's little snippets about, oh, this this particular seafood is overfished. Uh, this one is caught by slaves. Um, this one is ruining the oceans. And But then we go to a restaurant that we trust and we think, well, if this is on the menu, then it must be okay. But there are certain things that are very common that are not the best choices. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a big question on itself, and, and that would take a couple hours to answer. But the one thing that you should, that you should uh, use as a rule is then start with the lowest, um, the, the lowest animal on the chain. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about like clams and mussels and barnacles and things like that, and they're extremely tasty. And that, that's, those are really easy to replenish on their own. And then as you work your way up the chain, you know, with the, the smaller fish, um, start thinking about what's what's harvested locally. Like, how are the trouts? You know, mm-hmm. like we're, we live in Ontario, and there's wonderful rainbow trout and brown trout, speckled trout, and these are all being farmed. Like uh, Mike Meeker up in the Manitoulin Island, he's got a wonderful, sustainable uh, trout farm, and uh, he used the Blue Goose brand. I think they're marketing that, and that's available to consumers right across Ontario, if not Canada. And he can't keep up with demand, so it's really catching on. So, look to your local supply first. And if you can't look to your local supply, start eating more mussels and clams and oysters and things like that. 
Which are delicious. They are delicious on their own, yeah. Well, I noticed some information that was provided by um, OceanWise, and I was looking at it, and it said the you know some of the most unsustainable items include like black tiger prawns, which I used to order because it was exotic, and I love shrimp. I love prawns. You know, mm-hmm. ahi tuna, Atlantic cod. That surprised me because I'm from the East Coast. You know, um, squid, Chilean sea bass, these things that I see on menus so often still. still yeah. yeah, still that shouldn't that, you know, uh, in a perfect world wouldn't be there. Well, I think as the ocean wise uh, program catches on, then more and more f- uh, fishmongers are going to be uh, forced to um, get on with the program, you know, and join in with the program and start spreading the word to their chefs as well because there's going to be a tipping point where if you're not on the program in the short term, that means in the long term you're going to lose out. And, and there's consumers, an also – yep, yeah, go ahead. I'm just saying that like, consumers are being educated and they're, and they're going out there and they're looking for these fish. And, yes, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of fish that are still on the menus that shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's, there's many incremental uh, – um, wins out there that, that chefs are making. Whether they just put one thing on their menu, replace one thing with a sustainable seafood item, that's a win for the Ocean Wise program. That's a win for fish globally. Now, what should um, consumers be asking if that if that's something you could, you know, give them some advice on? Like when they're when I'm out buying seafood and I'm not really sure, or you know, sometimes you get the person selling it saying, "Oh no, 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 this is fine." Like, so are there certain things we could ask even if we're at a restaurant? Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of traceability uh, um, systems out there. There's one called One Fish, and uh, when a fish comes in, there's usually a tag associated with that fish, and if you punch in the number on the website, it tells you which ship caught it at what time and what location. I mean, there's a... There's oh, I didn't know tra- that. Yeah, there's ultimate traceability going on. So if, especially if you're a fishmonger and you're, you're, talking to, you're talking to the customer, you should know everything about that fish. There's, mm-hmm. there's no question why you shouldn't. So make sure you trust that fishmonger and make sure you're getting the answers in a way that you think are honest and fair. And, uh, and for the most part, they are pretty honest. Yeah. No, um, just very quickly, tell me what what sustainable seafood you have enjoyed cooking with lately. Oh, well, the trout is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some uh, I had some uh, barnacles from uh, from BC and they're the, the gooseneck barnacles and they're they're quite long and they're they're quite uh, prehistoric looking. You know, um, that was quite a delight to, to work with because it's, it's like this little hard shell, this little hoof, and then you've got this big appendage that comes out from that. And uh, it's like a clam without the the part in the shell. It's like a clam, yeah, but it's got, it's got this very large appendage that comes out of it. Yes, it does. Very, very intimidating for people. But uh, there, there's things like this that are very bottom of the food chain mm-hmm. that are an excellent source of protein and they taste wonderful and they're exotic and they're new and they're fresh. And it's always good to experiment, you know, try different things, different uh, different ingredients. Yeah. Start with your local products first. Make sure it comes from Canada if you're in Canada. If you're in Ireland, buy the Irish fish, you know, wherever. But start with something that's local and don't ignore the streams and the rivers of this country as well because they're a, a wonderful source of seafood. You know, um, there's, there's a lot of uh, seafood that's being um, cultivated in, in, in Canada and they're doing a lot of much better job at doing it than they did before. You know, with the uh, affluent and the runoff and whatnot, they're being able to recycle this and use it for other purposes so it doesn't go back into the system and pollute the system. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah, there's a lot of great options. If people want to find out more, they can go to oceanwise.ca and they can actually look at uh, a list of some of the best seafood choices and the ones that we should be avoiding. Thanks so much for your time, Martin. Have a great Thanksgiving. 
Thank you very much, Pei. That's Chef Martin Coopery from Pangea Restaurant. After the break, how you can mix and mingle with your favorite chefs and authors. I'll tell you all about that. More with Pei Chen on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in. PayChen.com is the website. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at PayChen, Facebook as well. All there. Very easy. Whole name is only seven letters. It's pretty simple. Um, you might not know that many of your favorite chefs and authors are coming to Toronto. You know, it's not like with a lot of fanfare or anything like that, but you have a great opportunity to be able to see them speak, meet them, get a photo, uh, have them sign your book. Alison Fryer, formerly of the uh, beloved little store, the cookbook store, uh, is now a culinary instructor at George Brown College Chef School, and she's organized um, a new series called Up Close and Personal. Hi, Allison. Hi, Peyton. So let's talk about uh, the Up Close and Personal series because you've got some really great names. We do, and uh, it, it's, it's so much fun. I can't tell you how excited it is, Pei. When you, have, you see people meet uh, their culinary icons, their heroes in person, I mean, it, it's so much fun to, to put those two things together. Um, and, and not just culinary icons, but up-and-coming new ones. So mm. we have somebody like Ruth Reichel, which for some people may go, Ruth Reichel, who's she? And then you realize, you tell them she was the restaurant critic for the L.A. Times, the New York Times. She was editor-in-chief of Gourmet Magazine. This is a woman who thinks in complete sentences. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just in this day and age of Twitter. I know you said page 10, seven letters. It's easy to do. But <laughs> on the other hand, it's nice to get those, those really engaging thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you get when you have these people in person, right? This is what you don't get through uh, online things. You get to ask them questions directly and see not only their response, but you see how they react physically to the questions and, and things like that, the nuances. And it's just, it's really, it's unscripted, um, and it's a totally engaging form of, of dialogue that what you don't get on TV and online. What I love about this, too, is that they're, they're fairly, like, intimate events. You're not selling out, uh, you know, a giant uh, theater no, or concert no. space. This is, this is not Massey Hall. This is, and we purposely, we, we do that. I mean, mm-hmm. Ruth Reichel will probably be close to about 200 people, which sounds like a lot, but in a lovely theater, a little small uh, sort of uh, auditorium in the school, I mean, you can ask your questions. I mean, you will get questions, and that's what we gear it for. It's less about... It's more about engaging the conversation, less with two people on stage and talking heads, and more with the audience, right? And, and, and forcing the audience to come up with great questions, and not just say, where do you eat when you come to Toronto? Right. <laughs> no, which I'm sure will be asked. <laughs> oh, we try and avoid those ones. <laughs> I mean, you know, Yotam Otolenghi and Ramil Scully, for those who, who may not, uh, you know, and Ruth Reichel's coming in, uh, next week, so October mm-hmm. 20th, after we've all had election fatigue. Um, oh, that's right, yes. A nice way to treat yourself. Um, and you also have Autolenghi. I mean, you say the word Autolenghi these days, and people immediately go Middle Eastern food and, and everything. I mean, what an amazing uh, journey he has taken us all on. So this is another one, too, where you can ask, again, thoughtful questions and find out more about them. Um, so, I mean, and, and here's, a, here's a classic. Mm-hmm. Matt Jaffrey. 
Right now, and who is she to those who don't know? Mata Joffrey did for Indian cooking in North America what Julia Child did for French cooking. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's truly uh, an iconic figure to bring what was really almost an elusive sort of, um, you know, the ingredient list looked really long for people and they didn't understand some of the spices and didn't know how to translate that into North American or, or British kitchens or households at that time. And now you've got this, you know, amazing. Um, People understand there's more to Indian food than just Indian food. There's a, a great cultural north, south, east, west to it. And now every, I, I feel like now it's not considered so incredibly exotic that people no. won't try to make it at home. It's it, something that we are now becoming so familiar with. Right, exactly. And I think that's what these these little these series of, uh, of events try to engage that too and make you understand where did these, you know, thoughts come from for the, you know, for these authors like Ruth Reichel and the chefs uh, Otto Lenghi and and Matter Joffrey? I mean, these are ones that are really, um, you know, engaging uh, the community at large. And the big part, the, the part that I really get excited about is not just seeing the public, but watching the students. Mm-hmm. They may not know who these people are, but by the time they're, they're they've witnessed this dialogue, they're so pumped up that you just know that the next generation. It's good to go. Like, they're yeah. in good hands. See, and that's a good point because when, you know, when you mentioned to me that you were doing this great series at George Brown College, I just thought, like, oh, that's great. You're doing this great series for the students. I didn't—I would never have assumed that this was something that I could go to, that I could oh, bring my yeah. friend to. Well, and I think to now, even to your point saying bring your friends— Bring those people in the family who are thinking of changing careers or, or thinking of going to, to culinary school, because then you get a feel for it. You get to see the students as well, not only in action, because a lot of them volunteer their, their time as well, but to see them in the audience asking questions. And to feel the energy level is a really unique experience that, again, you, don't get in, you only get from being there in person. And it's just, it's a wonderful, I tell you, I come out of there and I'm on literally <laughs> like an adrenaline flow. And it's, uh, and it's all because of the engagement, that mixture of public and student dialogue that really, you know, what's important to a student may not be important to the public, but when you see a student ask for it, ask a question, mm-hmm. you realize, wow, I never thought of it like that. You know, Which is yeah, and and it changes your perspective on things absolutely as well. Um, and I know the events uh, they start at uh, seven p.m., yeah. but it's good to get there a little bit early. Now, yeah. how long do they last? Like, how long is the the talk and the, the discussion? Talk, the actual dialogue is usually about an hour. Mm-hmm. And then, when of course everybody wants their picture taken, these yes, days <laughs> and get their book signed, and you can't get away from that. It's still that lovely personal. People still love to get the signature, it's like your autograph book. You know, yeah, when you're a kid. Um, so by the time you're all done, I mean, so eight o'clock. Then we have a reception that's lovely. It's sponsored by uh, Stratus Wines and, and Samuel Adams and the Cheese Boutique. So we sort of feed you and give you a libation while you're waiting in line. We are a culinary school, after all. <laughs> um, so you're, you're, uh, you, know, you can be lingering as long as you want, but usually by 9 o'clock you're, you're on your way home. So right. Not a late evening. And, and one last plug for one of the students' uh, group organization called Taste of Tomorrow. So if anybody thinks they're going to be the next master chef, Graham Elliott is coming to the school on November 3rd as well. Oh, see, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's another one, too. And certainly if you go to the, the uh, CHCA uh, uh, website, you'll see all the events listed there. Now, is there a dining series as well? That Yeah, we do one uh, slightly different. So the, the, the beauty of the Chef School is lots of different formats we can do. So I've uh, uh, helped uh, organize with the, uh, the restaurant, the Chef's House. Mm-hmm. We do a Trending Now dinner series. And we've got Derek Damon coming. We do local and international or... 
just, you know, sometimes it's a topic and we bring a chef in. So in November we have Derek Damon from Maison Publique in, in Montreal. He has a new book coming out called True North. And then in November also we have Amanda Cohen, who's Toronto-raised uh, chef, but in New York City. Oh, is she the dirt she, candy? You got it. Ah, uh, okay. Vegetables. Yeah, I have not been to the restaurant, oh. but I have heard. So she, like you said, Canadian who's yeah. opened up a, what I've heard is a hugely popular, yeah. excellent restaurant in New York City yep. that focuses complete. Well, it's a vegetarian restaurant, but that she does vegetables so yeah, beautifully. And, and she's really good. She, she actually so it tries to stay away from saying vegetarian, which I mm-hmm. thought was interesting. She says, we're vegetable-driven. Oh, that's a good way to put yeah, it. Because, I mean, a lot of people do eat a lot of vegetables and a lot of vegetarian meals, but who would never call themselves vegetarian? Yes. <laughs> I, me included, right? Yeah. I still like my steak and certainly turkey and ham today. Uh, <laughs> so, but vegetarian, some, often, if you're not a vegetarian, you think, oh, it's, it's salad. Yeah. But it's nice um, to be able to go somewhere and go, wow, I didn't even miss... You know, I didn't even miss the meat because the vegetables were exactly. done so well. Um, now, who's on your wish list? Oh, who would I like? Yeah, oh, it's funny. It's like your top. If you could, if you could invite anyone and you knew that they would accept your invitation. If I'm stalking anybody, is that what you're trying to say? Yes. Today? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have to see the students uh, meet Marco Pierre White. And who is that? He's from the UK. He's the original sort of bad boy chef who trained Gordon Ramsay. Oh, okay. And I just think he's an incredible incredibly interesting person um and i think the students would really engage from that um i really wish we could bring back julia child again you know i mean mm-hmm. doesn't everybody um i i think uh, having thomas keller again in the city would be great i think he's uh, an iconic figure and then we've got we've got so much local talent yeah we know? do i mean we tend to forget that toronto everybody you know we are a culinary destination and we try to promote, we did a dinner uh, last fall uh, with Nick Liu, mm-hmm. Low, that he said, I, he said to me, he says, Alison, I can't believe that was the most amazing experience. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it was, you know, they love working with the students. Yeah. Well, that's nice. And, and they're the people who are going to be, you know, in their kitchens Absolutely. in the next few years. So Absolutely. it's good to know that they've got some training behind them and also that they've been exposed to, you know, other generations perhaps and, well, that, and other yeah. cul- and culinary ideas. Came from. You know, yeah. It's not, it's not the first time this has been invented. I mean, Middle Eastern food, you know, isn't new. No. <laughs> <laughs> But the popularity seems to have swept right across North America and, and in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for your time, Alton, and, and congrats on, on this great yeah. series. Look forward to seeing everyone. And uh, that is Allison Fryer. She's with the George Brown uh, College Chef School. Great new series, Up Close and Personal. Um, if you want to find information, the you can go to buy tickets at chca.com ticketleap.com but I'm sure if you went to the georgebrown.ca website you could find some information there as well. Coming up after the break on this great Thanksgiving long weekend uh, Vinnie White will join me and uh, keep sending me your text. Let me know how you've been spending your Thanksgiving weekend. Thanksgiving. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Vinny White joins me now. And I've been getting some texts from you about how you've been spending your Thanksgiving weekend. So thank you for sharing. Someone made a very, very good uh, point. They said they went and voted. Best time to go Sunday around 6 p.m. on a Thanksgiving long weekend. No line, no wait. And I agree because I went and voted at 6.30 
tonight before I came here, and there were nine people at the polling station at Metro Hall, and just me. Perfect. Just me. They all just sat there and watched me walk in, watched me register, and watched me leave. And it was great. Did you offer the logic, there's nine of you, can I have nine votes? (laughs) (laughs) I did not. One guy was sitting there eating a bag of pretzels, and that was, I noticed him right away. Because I wanted the pretzels. Are they have all you volunteers? Voted? They are, aren't they? Yeah, yes, yeah they're all, I, I, I believe most of them are volunteers, if not all of them, perhaps. Mm. So I, I say thank you to them because this is a long weekend. I'm sure it's not the easiest thing to get people to give up Sunday night no. of a Thanksgiving long weekend to volunteer and watch people just come in and maybe fumble with their ID and check them off. That's not exciting to me. I would really want to do that. So the fact that there are a lot of people at all these polling stations who've gone up the long weekend, like that's great. Somebody should tomorrow, if you're going to vote tomorrow, maybe you could thank them a little bit. Should we both do it now? Because I feel the same way. Thank you for volunteering your time, people. Yes, thank you. I was going to say bring them some treats, but I think if I was there and a stranger brought me treats, I wouldn't eat them. I wonder if also they're not allowed. Probably not. Just because it could be considered as if you were trying to buy something. But what could you do? What could you buy from you could, them? You're right, you couldn't. You'd steal a pencil? Steal a pencil. Yeah. They're nice little pencils. But Did I'm you like, vote yet or no? You're going to do the events? I did. I went to my uh, local swimming pool and had a swim, a swim and a vote. <laughs> Mm. It'd be great if it was like a swim up bar and you could just swim up, vote, and have a cocktail, and have a, and then after you vote, you give them your slip, then you get a, you get like a voucher for a beer. You've just described utopia. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that country is, if it exists, I'm moving there next for sure. Do, do can you imagine uh, the turnout if we did that? Oh my Give people a drink for, for voting. That's a great idea. It's been done. I can't remember where it was done. I want to say it was in the UK, but I remember doing the story a couple of years ago on TV and it was called, um, actually, nope, I just messed it up. It was not for voting. It was for giving blood. It was beer for blood. And they were so <laughs> low on, on right. blood donations that they encouraged people to come donate blood. And in exchange, you got a little voucher for one of a few participating pubs. And um, they ended up increasing their blood supply by like 200% because of this. And was it the UK? I'm not against it. I'm I'm 99% sure I'm it was. I'm so proud right now. <laughs> it was beer for blood, not beer for votes, because, you know, there's something fishy about that, but well, not I'll blood. tell you what's even worse, blood for votes. <laughs> I know. Ask, uh, <laughs> ask some of the African nations about that. Crazy. What's coming up on your show? Tonight on my show, which is one of the best shows. Uh, All right, let's start again. Tonight on my show, which is quite good. Well, it's okay sometimes. Do you want to push it down less than quite good? It's not bad. Right. Tonight on my show, which is definitely not bad most of the time. Is that all right? Sometimes not good. Why don't you ever pick me up? Why don't you ever say your show, I just said it was not bad. Do I come on yours, right? Do I berate you? Oh, no, but you sometimes attack me in many other ways. I come on your crappy show every (laughs) week. I never berate it. Um, Yes, my show is coming next, and we'll be talking about Wiz Khalifa, who's a rapper who got caught urinating in public. You could say Wiz Wiz got caught taking a... a, a, But you know what was so great about that story when I heard it this morning, that Wiz Khalifa got 
what I don't know arrested or charged or something charged, for taking yeah. a whiz is it reminded me of not of only what few weeks ago when 50 Cent declared bankruptcy and didn't have 50 Cent to his name oh that's genius right the irony in rappers I know rappers you are just you're you're like foretelling your future with the choice of your name next we'll learn that Eminem is allergic to chocolate <laughs> candy <laughs> it's mental out there uh, also we're going to talk about Cal Snoop Dogg is attacked by a pit bull <laughs> oh is there any more we're on, on a roll. What, um, what else have we got? Uh, Ice Cube, who I think may have died. but if His was... teeth are sensitive. Oh, no? I think he might be dead. <laughs> He's it... not dead. Or is it Ice Tea that's dead? No, Ice Tea is alive. Uh. Ice Tea is diabetic. <laughs> Coolio gets very hot. <laughs> In the desert. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other rappers. I feel like I really don't know very many. Um, Vanilla Ice... Enjoys no ice creams. Oh, we're really stretching this. Vanilla ice is lactose intolerant. Oh, I've got it. What? Right. Give me one. Do you one. know what it is? What? MC Hammer becomes broke and has to get a job in a hardware store. Ooh. Oh. Could you imagine? Oh. Imagine how much you would hate that. Yeah. With people coming in and be like, <clears throat> hey, where's the, is it? No, no. Is it hammer time? Yeah. Yeah. That was the music cue, but we don't have it queued up. So why are you uh, um, having a fit? I was pretending like were you dancing to non-existent music on the radio. I was. I was pretending that music was coming on. Also coming up on my show, which is um, quite good. California has banned paparazzi from flying drones on private property. Apparently, this was a thing. I didn't even know this was the thing. Yeah, it's bad enough being famous. God knows how miserable it must be. But now, even in your own backyard, quite often people like Miley Cyrus have seen yeah. drones filming her. I in would a bikini. be, I'd be very irritated, especially if you have kids. Absolutely, yeah. So I think I, the, I drones kind of bug me. Are you famous, Pay? Um, I have to think about that for a second. I'm not rich. People don't drive me around. I take the streetcar and the bus. Mm. Um, I don't think I'm very good, famous. But then when you go back to Halifax, your little yokel town. No one knows me. Do, do, does people say, oh, this is my daughter. Oh, she's famous in Toronto. Does that, do they try, does your mum big you up? My mom does, which is actually really horrifying. Um, most of the media, most of the TV I've done is in Toronto. The, the, national television I've done is mostly kids mm. and also um, CBC, like George Trompolopoulos tonight when that was on CBC. Yeah. But most in Halifax, if anyone were to be familiar with me, it would be because a kid show that I did about eight years ago is still on TV. Right. So people... Do you get the kids. checks for the reruns? Of course not. So you this just got Canadian one fee and, and that's it? You never... Oh, yeah. But you know what? I love doing the show. Mm. The show was fun. It was a couple of days. It wasn't... Um, I had a full-time job at the time, too. So when you have a full-time job, then that becomes kind of your hobby. It's different when you know, you're hustling as an actor mm. and the show runs for eight years and you only got a little bit of money at the front, you know, a little bit different. But it is, you know what, I, I, I do love kids' television, so it's cute when kids are familiar with the show. Do you ever get kids go, I, I know you and yeah. I, I like you? Yeah, little ki yeah, parents usually recognize you first, mm. but sometimes you get, the, you get a little kid, like a, a little three-year-old. I remember once being at Wonderland shooting something for TV and a kid was... Um, he looked at me and he was maybe three years old and he waved to me and he and he kind of whispered and he goes, I know you. Mm. It was 
cute. And then he said, I'll listen to your terrible radio show. <laughs> this is before I had the terrible radio okay. show, everybody. Um, so thanks. Anyway, you're talking about drones. Was that where we went with that? Yeah, I thought you were going to ask me a question. Did you not prepare any high comedy about gold? The, yeah, I was going to ask you about, would you miss the fall season if you live somewhere that was warm? Let's say you lived in California and you're like, ah, oh, it's warm all the time. Because you know some people say the best thing about living in Canada is we have four seasons. Mm. There are people who say that. Yeah, there's two. Really. I don't know if you... There's cold and hot, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Because if you are perhaps someone who dreams of retiring in Florida or moving somewhere where there is no winter and therefore you wouldn't really get fall, yeah. uh, there's a new company... I've talked about these companies that sell the most ridiculous things, but yet they make money. Yeah. Um, there's a company called Ship Foilage. They are based Fo- at a mass... Foilage. Yep. The... Not foilage. Foilage. How are you saying that? Did Fo- I say foilage? You said foilage. What did you say? Foilage. Why are we saying it different? Well, maybe this is an accent thing. Well, how would you say leaves on the ground? Foilage. Do you? I do. do Elliot, I what do you, do you say that, Elliot? I say what? Foliage? Foliage. I said I said I reversed you the letters. You said foliage. 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 Anyway, now you just made my story sorry, too long. Sorry. He's shipping leaves from Massachusetts to your doorstep for $20. So what you do is he walks around the trails in Massachusetts looking for the perfect leaves and then um, carefully filters through their inventory, hand selects only grade A leaves, and uh, the bundle that you get for $20 includes three one red, one yellow, and one green. Or a mixed leaf, one Love that it. has all three colours. Do you know he made a couple of grand out of selling Boston snow when there was a snowstorm as well? Yes, he did. He made he sold them for twelve ninety nine a bottle when there was a snowfall. But he said he, he sold 89 bottles. I don't think that's a fortune. <laughs> I don't think he made a fortune no. off that. But there are people out there who have already ordered leaves for $20. Idiots! Anyway, paychen.com is the website. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. And Vinnie White is coming up next.